Welcome to Founder Views. My name is Costa. I'm your host and co-founder of Web for Realty, a SaaS company that I bootstrapped out of my parents' basement with no money and no tech experience into a fully remote company doing seven figures in ARR. I'm taking you through my SaaS journey in real time as I talk about business situations I'm going through, thinking about, or just find interesting. My purpose is not to give you the answers, but to spark something in your mind that can help improve your business along the way. I manage a remote company, so we hire team members from all over the world. One of the most tedious things about hiring and growing a team is the HR and administrative part of it all. As my company was starting to grow and we were starting to hire more and more team members, I knew I needed a solution that would help organize my employees and company better. That's when I discovered Humi. The value that Humi provides begins the moment you think about hiring. With Humi's recruitment portal, I'm able to publish my job posts, sync it to all the other popular job sites, and feed all the applicants directly into Humi. When you're getting hundreds of applicants and interviewing dozens of people per day, you need a system that will help organize your hiring process so you can simply focus on finding the best person for your company. After you find the right person to hire, you have to onboard them into your company properly. That requires creating contracts, company materials, sending it to the new hire to review and getting them to send it back to you, among many other things. With Humi, I have all of my contracts and documents preloaded and they are dynamically filled with the new hire's information. So there's no more manual work and back and forth involved. All documents are signed online through Humi and tracked accordingly. That part alone saves me at least two to three hours per employee during the onboarding process. But probably one of my favorite features of Humi is their time off feature. Now I'm able to create my own company time off policies. All of my employees can request time off directly through Humi and I can either approve it or deny it on the spot. I'm able to easily track how many days off an employee has taken in the year and the entire team is able to see a live calendar of who's scheduled to be away. So if you're a company owner, you have employees or you're thinking about growing a team, I would highly, highly recommend checking out Humi. That's H-U-M-I. They have it all. HR, payroll, benefits. Uh, I have an exclusive promo only for my listeners. I got you 30% off your subscription. Uh, make sure you sign up at humi.ca slash founderviews so they know that I sent you and you get you 30% off. That's humi.ca slash founderviews to get 30% off. Trust me, you won't regret it. In this episode, I'm speaking with Robert Zalotic. This episode is a little bit different than what you might be used to. Robert is just starting out in the SaaS space. He's developing an app called Pomodus, which integrates with Slack and helps you stay productive and focused. I wanted to get Robert on the podcast because a lot of my listeners are actually in the same position as Robert, early stage SaaS founders. So I thought it would be very helpful for other folks in similar positions to hear Robert's journey and what he's done to not only build Pomodus, validate the idea, but also what he's doing to market it and gain the initial traction and handful of customers early on to gain some momentum. I know that part is often a big struggle for a lot of early stage founders out there. And Robert does a phenomenal job of providing actionable ideas and insights. We get into quite a few specifics, including how he plans to leverage Product Hunt for his launch, 
uh, other marketing tactics he's going to use to help gain initial traction, and what other startup founders should avoid, which is really important. Uh, This was a really, really great and fun episode, a lot of uh, amazing insights. So here it is. I hope you enjoy my chat with Robert as much as I did. All right, Robert, thank you so much for joining me on the Founder Views podcast. Really excited for you to be here. Yeah, you know what, Tosa? I'm really, really, really appreciate the opportunity, and I'm really glad to be here as well. Awesome. So um, you got a few things going on, uh, a couple of startups, StoryStream and Pomodus. I pronounced that right? Pomodus, yeah. Pomodus, sorry about yeah. that. Um, before we get into those, uh, if you don't mind just telling your audience just a quick background about yourself and what you're currently up to. Sure, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, so I've been in and around the Vancouver business community for a long time, um, primarily in sort of people-facing roles, if you will. So um, where my sort of tech and, and sort of startup career got started was uh, I was fortunate to have some very good friends who were very technical, uh, but had also done MBAs and wanted sort of, again, someone with more of that customer-facing uh, experience to, to join their startup. And so my first startup was just before the big crash of 2000, the, the, tech, the tech bubble bursting. Uh, just before 2000 is when we launched the, uh, the startup, and it was in the, in the Bluetooth space. So we had two things going against us. One was the, uh, the fact that Bluetooth was still a very nascent technology. Second of all, uh, it was hard to raise money at that time because basically it just was people were not uh, people were not investing. So my my tech and startup career got started there, and and since then I've done a whole bunch of different things, uh, both e-commerce uh, e-commerce startups where I was selling products online, um, uh, health and fitness products. Uh, I've also uh, been involved in helping other people run their startups, uh, one also in the telecommunication space. Uh, and I've also ran a, a software recruiting firm or a technology recruiting firm for about five years uh, before jumping into um, consulting and software with other partners. And the partner that I, one of my partners from our previous company is uh, my current partner in Teutonic Labs and Teutonic Labs is essentially a uh, boundary for uh, kind of bringing good ideas that make business sense uh, to the market. And so our our goal is to really um, come up with ideas, ideate, and then this is why the our um, our the kind of the tagline for for the company is imagine, experiment, build, repeat. Um, that sort of speaks to this idea that we really want to bring interesting products to the market. Uh, that uh, we can do in a, in a SaaS sort of based way uh, and just have various streams of income coming in. So that's, uh, that's kind of the idea. The two products that we built, one is uh, we started off with a, um, a product that we had was kind of pre-commercial with our uh, consulting company. And what it is, is a digital canvas that allows companies to model their both their current systems and model uh, sort of in a modern way for new systems. Uh, And we use that really effectively with our clients uh, because at the end of, of, you know, model, if you do it with the traditional sticky notes, you know, you can take a photo of it and it's a static representation of what you've done, but it's hard to kind of edit that because it's kind of spread all over the wall. 
So typically people take photos, but that doesn't really help. So we wanted a, a way to capture that. Um, on top of that, what we've done is um, add a, an open source project. So you can take the, um, the completed model and turn that into working software right away. So we can generate an API right off of that digital canvas. So we've used that really effectively with clients on, on the consulting front, uh, but it was not what we learned was it wasn't a SaaS product, and I think it's maybe pretty obvious to everybody else, but to us it was like, oh, people are going to want to use this, but it's so specialized that what we realized was it's really a, uh, it's, it's a licensing play. It's not, it's not a SaaS product. So that led us to our, the, the latest product called Pomodus, and what that is is it's a, uh, a productivity app that integrates with Slack. Uh, one of the big challenges these days is essentially too much technology and too many interruptions, uh, the rise of the open office and so on. Uh, those all lead to people not being able to be very productive because they're constantly getting interrupted by either their technology or by people that they're working with. And so what we've done is we've created a tool that uh, leverages uh, the Pomodoro technique uh, and which is a way to basically plan your day and set a timer for 25 minutes and work on your highest priority tasks. What happens though is you, uh, as soon as you start a task in Commodus, it silences your Slack notifications and it shows up in your, in your Slack uh, dashboard, uh, there's a little emoticon that comes up and if people roll over that, they see, they see that you're in a Pomodoro or you're, you're in a, working on a cycle, your, your head's down for a certain amount of time and when you'll be done. So our goal is to basically expand the amount of time or the window of time that people have in order to get work done. Because uh, the, big, the big thing is everybody talks about not having enough time, but in fact, people do have enough time. It's just, it's, it's chopped up so much and people don't get a, a, a enough runway, enough length of time to work on any one thing that that's the thing that ends up causing the productivity issue. So anyway, this is something that we're, uh, that we're bringing to the market very shortly. We're going to be doing uh, a product hunt launch in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and so we're very excited about that. All right. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing all that. Um, quite a bit to unpack there. So first with, with story stream. Um, yeah. so, so as you said, like you realize that it's too specialized to be a SaaS product. So you're currently trying to license that or like the SaaS side of it's totally off the table right now. Uh, you know, we're still, we're still in talks with, for example, uh, one of the things that we did, uh, which uh, which was really good was so we're 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 big fans in theory of the lean startup approach uh, and we've kind of if you will been fumbling our way to becoming decent at it the one uh, so there are a whole bunch of typically uh, hypotheses that you that you set out and that you then go to validate or invalidate uh, whether it's the problem solution. Uh, uh, space or whether it's the uh, sort of once you've got an, an MVP and a product and then product market fit and that kind of thing. So what we did once we actually built the product, um, and this is one of these interesting things that I think are is important for people to uh, to understand because I've, I've I've heard from other people that they've done this. You know, 
we we built the product because we had used it in our consulting practice. And so we said, of course, people are going to want to use this. But the reality is you still need to validate it. So we were we were kind of uh, blinded by our own experience. And I see that. And I just last night I was at a meetup and, and, and somebody's been working on a product for two years and they used it in their old company. And they're like, oh, for sure, somebody's going to want to use this. And they've been going from they've literally sunk thousands of dollars into and building this over two years and they still don't really have a, an actual market. They still don't have identified who their target market is. So with uh, StoryStream, what we did was we did uh, MVP interviews. We, we went to people that um, are very experienced in the type of modeling that we do. And we reached out to them on LinkedIn, which I, is a fabulous tool. And again, as a person who uh, likes to interact and, and likes that personal connection. Um, LinkedIn is a hugely valuable tool for me, and also because I've been involved in recruiting, it's 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 you know gotten good at using it. But it's great to be able to actually get in front of potential customers and ask them questions and get feedback. So that's what we did. And one of the people that we reached out to was um, someone who had who had introduced the practice that we that we do to a very very large international. Um, consulting firm and so there's the possibility that they could use this as a way to both train their internal consultants but also something that they can use with their clients so yes we are uh, we are in the process of, uh, of, of talking to a, a large large firm about about licensing and we're hoping to talk to others as well okay perfect perfect no i think that's great uh, you know my audience are a lot of uh, startup folks uh, very early stage like yourself so i think it's uh, very important uh, for others to hear about you know, mistakes or failures and how to bounce back. So I think uh, what most people consume nowadays are, you know, the glory and, and all the wins, but you know, there, yeah. there are a ton of losses out there. I'm not saying story stream is a loss, but you know, it's yeah. just a, a pivot you can say, but being a SaaS podcast that's focused on, uh, a, sorry, Pomodis? Pomodis, yeah. <laughs> I'll get I'll get that before this, this episode's done. So um so that that's that's interesting. So you know our company uh, relies heavily on Slack uh, for communication. Like we're we're a fully remote team. So Slack is essentially our virtual office. So you know great tool. Um, curious did did you how did how did the product come to be? Like were you solving your own problem or what's the story there? Yeah, you know, because it to some extent it was uh, us solving our own problem. My uh, business partner is a is a uh, kind of world renowned and well respected software architect, uh, and he has had this issue in multiple companies in the past. Uh, and uh, his son is also in in technology and so on. And we and he ran the idea by his son, and he said, "Yeah, I would totally pay for that." Now that's that's. That's only one person, but we did talk to other people and uh, do some more validation. Um, and I think the interesting thing that I'm finding, Costa, is this: is that you know when uh, we or when when we as SaaS founders have our initial idea, it's kind of at a high level. So you know theoretically, you know the idea of helping prevent interruptions is a nice idea, right? It's a, it's a good idea and helping people focus is a good idea. But in order to actually, there are a couple, at least probably a couple of layers deeper that, that, uh, that we need to go in order to find out 
the, the to pinpoint who is the actual customer and what is the problem that they're having on the ground that this is actually going to solve. Because yes, we yes we theoretically solve a couple of problems at a high level. Does that mean people are going to beat down our door to subscribe to the product? I don't know, but I'm I'm pretty sure there are there's some uh, more layers of the onion that need to be unpacked in order to find out what is the gold that is going to reveal what that actual product market fit is. Uh, and we we have yet to kind of figure that out. And again, we're doing it in a way where we were like built what is probably beyond an MVP. Uh, and, and we'll now take that out to market and try it. That's not the best way to do things. I definitely encourage people to follow a bit more of the lean startup approach and, and have some hypotheses and do some uh, both both uh, product solution fit, product market fit, and then the MVP approach. Uh, again, I uh, do as I say, not as I've done, but uh, we're, we're, we're getting to the point where we're, we're trying to get better and better at that part. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. So um, just to unpack that, that a bit. So, so the, you said the company's still, still in beta. So you're still de- developing. Yeah, so we haven't, uh, we haven't gone live. We, sorry. We've gone live, but we haven't launched in a big way. Uh, and the reason is um, so we submitted to the Slack app store and the Slack app store were very, they were very, very uh, responsive. Um, we got an answer really quickly and we knew this, but, uh, so the word Pomodoro and Pomodoro technique are, um, are trademarked terms. And so they said, hey, you need to ask permission to use these trademarks before, uh, before we can actually approve you for the store. So, uh, so we're just in the process of doing that. And again, our, our, our plan B is if we don't hear from them, and I literally, five minutes before we started this, I, I resend a note to the legal department of uh, the guys who run and own the Commodore trademark. Uh, if we don't hear from them, our plan B is we'll just change, we'll just rip out all the pom- references to the Pomodoro technique and basically just just make it a productivity tool unrelated to, to the Pomodoro technique. So um, yeah, that's it makes sense. Hey, a, a name, it's just a name. Can't stop yeah. the, the business from going. Um, yeah. So so that's cool. Now. So interesting uh, when you're describing sort of what it does, like I'm just trying to relate it, how I use Slack. So for example, we're on this podcast now, um, really easy for Slack to just get bombarded with notifications. They have a, like a snooze feature, which I just clicked on and set it for an hour. So yeah. how, how does a uh, sort of um, like, what's the difference between snoozing yeah. and, and using Pomodus? You know, Costa, the interest. So I was uh, this week. I've I've been at two different uh, Slack events, and uh, having talked to one of the uh, one of the kind of account managers at Slack that deals with, um, and I think it's great that they do this. Once you're once you're a, once you are a subscriber, or once you're paying for Slack, they then have a team of people who are tasked with ensuring that you know as a customer how to use the product well and how to kind of go beyond the basics. Uh, and so even I, and I've, I've, I've been using Slack for probably three or four years. Uh, you know, I'm still typically using the high level stuff. It's like, great, send messages, uh, send, you know, uh, send files and so on. But there are a whole bunch of other features that you kind of, if you, 
are looking for them, you can find, and they're there. And it's, it's a very feature-rich system. The thing is, most people don't know about them. It's like, uh, you know, Microsoft Word, right? There's millions of features, but if you don't know that they're there or how to find them, they're not going to really help you. So, uh, so yes, they are there. The, 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 the idea behind Pomodus is really to make it automatic so that when you decide, I'm now going heads down and I'm going to work on uh, preparing for my next podcast, for example, in your case, uh, it'll automatically do that. So it kind of takes the, uh, it makes it, uh, it to some extent, automates it. Remember, you don't have to remember to go and, and do it, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. All right, cool. That's great. And like, are you targeting a particular segment of the market? Like, you know, yeah. B2B small businesses, SaaS focused businesses. I mean, who, who's your target group? You know, of course, I, I think it's got to go be like, uh, those are all kind of high level groups. Uh, again, it's, it's going to be applicable only to certain people and where we think there might be, where, where we have the most experience and where we think there might be the most uptake is uh, knowledge workers in general, but uh, developers in particular, both I having been involved in headhunting and so on, and also my partner who's been involved in software for the last 25 years. Uh, you know, we know software developers and they, you know, they'll put on their headphones and so on, but people don't really, no, that's their way to kind of, tune out and, and show people they're busy, but it doesn't really work because you never know, is the person really busy or are they just listening to some great tunes, right? So uh, it's, it's really to give those knowledge workers that need time to, uh, to, to get stuff done without interruption and who want to dedicate some specific time to, to getting that done, that's, that's essentially our, our target. Nice. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, especially for startups and folks just, you know, getting their feet wet in the SaaS space or any business really is, is really uh, narrowing down a specific niche in a target market. Um, yeah. So it, it's good that you're doing that, you know, developers and, and knowledge workers, as you said, but um, is, is there any way to even narrow that down even further? Like, can you say developers specifically in SaaS or in a particular segment? Because I think once you really narrow it down further, you can, your messaging improves. When you contact these people, it's more relatable uh, as opposed to just having a, you know, broad value statement where someone might have to think about it. But if you're targeting a very, very, very narrow specific target group, uh, you can tighten your messaging and, you know, all that can be relatable, which eventually leads to slow or, or, or less, uh, a slower sales cycle and, uh, you know, more revenue faster. You know, because I, I totally agree with you. And this is what I was saying about the kind of the different layers that we have to get to. So at this stage, because we have, uh, so we're hoping to get that kind of feedback uh, again over time through both our product hunt launch and through uh, promoting on different kind of productivity uh, sites. Because I think that one of the things that, that we have, that, that we as SaaS founders need to be good at is, finding other people to tell our stories. You know, I've, I've, I've been using social media for a long time and so on, and I, I still don't have that big a following, but like, I think sometimes people underestimate the value of having uh, other people and, and other means of, and multiple ways of getting the word out so that you're not the, to use a biblical term, the prophet crying in the wilderness, right? Talking about your product and nobody's listening. 
but actually to have other influencers or people that are well-respected to promote and talk about you because it just has a lot more credibility when somebody else does it. Um, so yes, we, we we're definitely hoping to get more of that feedback and to get a much more uh, pointed and very uh, specific uh, value proposition for a very specific group. We're not there yet. We don't have that yet, but we definitely are uh, hoping to go in that direction. And I certainly encourage uh, the listeners to, to do that same thing. Uh, I think in the past, you know, people have always started and when they go try to raise money or whatever, and they always start with a huge, uh, you, know, the, you know, the market is a billion people. And if we only get, you know, 1% or half a percent, then we'll make this much money. And so I think people have been accustomed and attuned to sort of thinking about trying to capture huge markets. But I think in the last, certainly in the last five to 10 years, with the growth of SaaS and other things, we're really seeing the value and the power of extremely, extremely narrowly defined niches and, uh, and the profitability and the potential of those as a way to start, right? So we'll, let's say we start with software developers in SaaS. Uh, once those people bring it into the company, there's every uh, opportunity to, for example, for the product managers or whoever to be, hey, what is that thing you're doing? And, and try to, you know, and have it expand that way. So I, I totally think that's, that's, that's a great way to go. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I met a ton of SaaS founders making uh, a lot of good money just through providing products in, in super narrow niches that you'd never even think about. So yeah, a lot of opportunity to build solid businesses like that. Um, I want to talk about product hunt. You, you spoke, uh, you mentioned that a, a few times and I think this can be useful to a lot of people listening. I, I personally don't have any experience with product hunt launches. So can you talk about like what you're doing with product hunt and maybe walk us through how to launch uh, a product through that platform and sort of what your plan is there? Sure. Let me, let me preface the conversation with this is our first product hunt that we're about or that we're going to be doing. Uh, and there, uh, I just want to reference the fact that there are excellent uh, medium and other posts on how to do this. And so I'd encourage people that are looking to do this to, to read those. Um, they're very, very detailed and they, they certainly are from people who are more experienced than I am. Uh, the, so the, the quick summary is, uh, so Product Hunt is a site where interestingly, not only it used to be smaller companies would launch, but now even companies like Stripe and PayPal, when they're launching new features, they actually launch on Product Hunt just because it has this cachet and following of people go, ah, this is where we get to learn where the cool new stuff is coming out. So the, uh, the interesting thing about it uh, is you, in order to launch on product hunt, you can't just put your product out there. You actually need a, what's called a hunter. So it's somebody that has um, right access to the site uh, to be able to actually post your product and, and, and be, the hunter. And so maybe what I can uh, tell people about is there are a bunch of different hunters and so on. There's lots of lots of them out there. Um, maybe what I could do is just uh, let them know. So what I did was I uh, researched uh, a number of hunters and there's different sites that, that have who all the hunters are. Uh, and I actually reached out to our hunter who actually has a background in productivity. So she 
loves this, the, the notion of helping co companies be more productive. I think she did an undergrad thesis in it and so on. So she was a natural person to approach about this. And it was actually relatively easy. I just, I reached out to her on uh, LinkedIn. I said, look, this is what we're doing. I, I, I knew about her background. I, I spoke to that and said, look, yeah, I see that you are a big fan of productivity and that you've done a lot of work in this area. Uh, would you be willing to hunt us? And uh, yeah, she said, sure. So uh, I, that, that was kind of our simple way. But that's, so then once you uh, get on to Product Hunt, you basically pick a date on which you want to go uh, live. And then you have like a 24-hour period uh, in which you get upvoted uh, by, by people. And I think the interesting thing for people to do is, or the interesting thing for people to know is it, it does take a lot of preparation. If someone, uh, the algorithm actually gives more weight to someone who has been on Product Hunt for a period of time versus, you know, you sending a note to all of your friends on your, the day of your launch saying, hey, sign up for Product Hunt and, uh, you know, upvote us. The algorithm actually takes that into consideration. So uh, I've taken the time to uh, connect with people on Product Hunt. Uh, other other uh, what they call makers, people who are launching products, uh, and have tried to be active in different groups and so on, uh, uh, SaaS growth hacking groups and so on, in order to kind of start to generate uh, a following in advance, uh, so that I don't get there and it's like you know having it refer to your Twitter account where you're starting from scratch and you know it, it, you just you need to have ideally. Uh, a group of people, whether it's on Twitter or whether it's on Product Hunt or like some, ideally some group that you've been building up over time or where you have their emails where you can reach out to them when you go live and get them to uh, upvote you in, in Product Hunt. And so at the end of the day, after the 24-hour period elapses, the top five companies uh, are then featured at the end of the week as the top five uh, companies of the of the week. And that in itself then goes out to the entire product hunt uh, database, I believe. And so you get a lot of uh, traction, a lot of a lot of uptake through that. So that's that's kind of the short summary. Does that does that does that help? Yeah, no, that that's amazing. That's awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that. Uh, pretty exciting. Did, did you pick a date for the launch yet? <laughs> you know what? Uh, we haven't. Uh, I, I think it's going to be either the 11th or the 14th of October, uh, but uh, but we're not quite sure. And there's all kinds of um, reasoning around what days are better and so on. So we're getting a little bit uh, kind of hung up on that. But essentially, you just don't want to be you just don't want to be going live on the same day as like Google's launching some new feature or some Apple launching some new feature or something, because that ends up you know sort of sucking up all of the uh, all of the interest. So. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, all right, that's awesome. So one, one thing I want to talk about, like you have a, a pretty unique background, I think, with just a lot of you know past business experience, professional experience, uh, both ups and downs by the sounds of it. And but Ooh. you're kind of new to SaaS at the same time. Right. Um, what are what are some common mistakes that you think other startup founders can avoid when launching a product, specifically with SaaS? <laughs> You know, because I think we've kind of talked about a lot of them. Uh, I mean, so first of all, just to kind of maybe recap, first of all, uh, just because you think it's a good idea doesn't mean it's a great idea, right? Just because your mom thinks it's a great idea or a couple of people, your friends that you talk to doesn't mean anything. It's really a matter of, in my view, uh, validating uh, not only the idea 
idea itself and that people will pay for it. Um, but I think it, it actually goes um, it goes beyond that. And I, and I think one, one thing that a lot of people miss that I just want to point out and that uh, a, a good friend of ours that we've done some work with who is a uh, kind of a lean agile coach and who coaches companies to do this and worked a lot with me on our uh, value proposition development for both StoryStream and, and for Pomodus is the importance of, so like I said, what we're doing is we're basically, we're kind of, we're shortcutting the, the process um, and it's a big mistake. We're, we're, we've, we've got these two MVPs of two products and we're saying, hey, what do you guys think about this? The challenge with that is where the gold is in, in launching products is to actually understand the problems that people are having up front, figuring out what they have done to solve the issue and realizing that they're still ripping their hair out because they haven't found a solution. And if your product is then a very good answer to that problem, that is where you get instant validity and where you get people going, I need that. And that is the that is the thing that ideally, one way or another, whether you go and do the lean thing, a lean startup thing all the way from the beginning and you're religious about going from the beginning to the end and doing all the interviews and all the hypotheses or not, or whether you just start with your MVP and start from there, I think at, like at some point you need to find out what is that deeper problem that you're solving and is it one that like you might be solving a problem, but is it a problem that's so critical that somebody's actually going to want to pay money for it? I think what I see a lot in the maker community is a lot of people do it. Like I'm, I'm doing this, my partner and I are doing this full time. We're not doing it as a side hustle. You know, a lot of people just kind of say, well, I'm doing it as a side hustle. I think this is a great idea. They throw it out, they launch on product hunt or whatever, and they see what traction they can get. Um, I, if, if, if you want to do it in a very uh, methodical and professional way, I think it really is important to really understand, again, those underlying motivations and that, that really keen sense of what problem are you solving for whom and why is it a great solution and why haven't they been able to do it? Uh, you know, why haven't they been able to solve that problem in the past? Yeah, that, that's great. Great advice. Um, I, I sort of think I have an unorthodox view when like we're talking about starting a product or thinking of an idea. You know, most people have the the the, the mindset of like let's ready, let's aim, and let's fire. Yeah. I, I, I sort of reverse that. I'm like, I'm ready, I fire, and then I aim. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you know, I just want to put it out there launch it and then just figure it out and fine tune as you go rather than um, just trying to do all like the business plan, like all the hypothesis and, you know, getting all those fine details before launching, I think yeah. can be counterintuitive at times and just yeah. prevents people from actually like, you know, actually stepping forward and getting their feet wet and start talking to people and customers and trying to sell the product, which is all, which is what it's all about. You know, because I totally agree, and I and I don't, I don't mean to sound like uh, everybody should do it in you know the way the book says, because uh, obviously I, I we're doing it the way you're doing it as well. 
but I think uh, I, I think the main takeaway is uh, the, the point that I just made, which is whether you launch and kind of figure it out after you launch, or whether you have a, a website and you start to, like you need something ideally to show people. But really, before you show anybody anything, try to un- try to understand the underlying problem. And it just, you know, in in my view, it will get people to that um, that holy grail or that, that 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 secret sauce of what they're actually solving uh, quicker. Uh, I, I, undoubtedly, you can get there in in lots of different other ways. Uh, but I think there is is something to be said for um, for also making sure that you kind of identify what that problem is, whether it's afterwards yeah. or before. Oh yeah, absolutely. That goes yeah. without saying. Um, so, so that's pretty cool. Now, now again, you're growing a startup from scratch, uh, yeah. which is exciting. Uh, you mentioned product hunt as one of the marketing channels. Uh, what else are you trying to do or thinking about to help gain that initial traction? Mm-hmm. Uh, interestingly, and it sounds a little bit uh, maybe retro and maybe people don't even know what, uh, I mean, so we just, uh, we just um, connected with a site that uh, like that, that does RSS feeds. And so the interesting thing about that, people don't really talk much about it anymore, but the interesting thing about it is um, the services have now evolved to the point where um, they will um, bring back specific um, specific um, sites and they'll actually do a lot of, like if you tell them what you're trying to do and who you're trying to go after and what the keywords are and so on, uh, yes, you can do a Google search or whatever, but this, this I think, the entire internet and brings back they'll do like lists of influencers for you in your specific space uh that kind of thing and so i've already uh done that i signed up for the service and i already reached out to a whole bunch of productivity bloggers just based on that so i think again my uh, and again this is not the only way to do it but because i like to take a very personal approach to it i like to reach out to people in person it's not the most effective or most efficient way to do things but that's kind of how I, I love to do things um, to kind of find those influences and so on. So that's, that's one thing that I've done recently. Um, I've also think there's a lot of power uh, and I can't speak to it in terms of actual results, but I'm, I've, I've read enough now that uh, review sites like uh, SAS hub and Capterra G2 uh, and, and others like that uh, are very, very good to get out to and, 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 and because a lot of people, again, because it's hard to figure out who you should, who, who, what, what products people should use, they end up sort of delegating that responsibility to these review sites. And so if you can be prominently featured there and you can be out there in that, uh, that apparently will really, uh, makes a big difference in terms of, uh, gaining viewership, gaining, uh, gaining, gaining traction, uh, from, from potential customers. So, that's one thing we're doing. Um, we're also, like I said, we're, uh, I'm really active and, and this is something that I think has really been really valuable for me as a new to SaaS uh, founder is there are, um, there are different things. There are Facebook growth hacking groups and SaaS specific groups. Uh, one particular one that I found really valuable is called a uh, Facebook group called SaaS products and marketing. The people there have, there's lots of people in there who are very experienced and who you can ask questions of, which makes it so much easier. One of the big things that, and one of the big issues that I have as whether in any business is I hate asking for help. 
I don't like asking for help, but it's somehow a family trait or whatever. And uh, I, but when you're in these forums and so on, it just makes it so much easier, and it's so great to be able to reach out to experienced people to be able to actually shortcut processes, and 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 you don't go down, uh, you don't follow the wrong path. You just you know put it out, and a whole bunch of people respond. So it's actually been very supportive and very good to be part of those. And then on other on the other hand, there are also Slack groups. And I haven't found those to be all that effective, but I haven't tried that many either. So there's lots of different ways that people can get feedback and, and kind of get answers to their, their questions. And I, I think that's incredibly valuable. That's awesome. I loved a couple of things you said there. I, I agree with, uh, with all of that. But uh, one that stood out was uh, sort of that old school approach and just actually directly speaking and engaging with people. I think nowadays I see too many um, startups and founders just try and get too fancy when it comes to sales and, and gaining traction and just automatically going with, you know, the, the paid campaigns and all that just because you, you built an app it's shiny it's new it's cool like people aren't just gonna sign up like there's nothing wrong with that old school sales and that old school hustle and like picking up the phone and, and calling potential clients and reaching out directly it's for me personally that's the definitely the most effective way to gain traction early on again might not be the most efficient but it's not going to cost you anything other than your time so if you're willing to, to put in that grind and work and hustle you 100 percent will get results that way and, you know, Costa, I, I think you're right. And I think it is probably, especially now, as you said, you know, people are trying to do everything in a very high tech way and it's, it ends up being high tech, but kind of low touch. And the thing is who you're selling to is you're selling to people ultimately. And so to understand those people and their motivations and their problems, and, and uh, that is actually really, in my view, gold and it might be retro, but it's one of those things that I don't think will ever go out of style. Uh, and it's, I think, probably one of the most underappreciated approaches for people to, again, get insights, get traction. And I, I think from my background in sales and, and so on, um, one of the most important things that people should, or what I encourage people to do is really just ask for advice. People are incredibly willing to spend their time, even, even well-respected people, people have been in the business a long time that you think, oh, I don't think those people ever talk to me, you know, reach out to them. You have nothing to lose. Reach out to them, ask for help, ask for guidance. And oftentimes when you ask for advice, you get clients, right? Or you, uh, you get money if you're, if you're doing a money raising it's, uh, or fundraising. But, uh, you know, going out and just being really direct and saying, hey, I need this. It's like, well, maybe, but uh, sometimes doing it in the indirect way. And I don't mean it in, a, in an underhanded way. Just uh, asking for advice is often a, a great way to get that the feedback that you need. And it could just result in, uh, in some great customers as well. For sure. Uh, and speaking of, of advice, um, it's not, not a plug. I'm part of um, uh, this platform. I don't know if you heard of growthmentor.com. They basically do something similar to what you're saying. So I'm, I'm a mentor on this platform. There's a, there's a ton of other uh, experience, experienced folks uh, with different skill sets and backgrounds that you can actually reach out and talk to. And they're willing to just give you their time and brainstorm. And, um, you know, a lot of folks get a ton of value from just speaking. Mm -hmm. to, and you're right. You, you'd be surprised. There, there's, there's someone like myself. I, I, have, I, I give my time for free on the platform just because I, I get a lot of satisfaction by just speaking to other startup founders and people who need help and something that I can 
uh, assist with. And even if I, it'll be a shame basically to just bottle up all the experience and insights that I've gained rather than just sharing it. And even, even if someone gets a small little nugget that I provide that helps them further along in their journey, I mean, that's, that's satisfying enough uh, for me. So there's a lot of other people who are more than happy to give you advice uh, for free if you just ask. So, you know, right. I think that's really great. And I mean, I think that's to some extent the underlying reason. I mean, I, I, I have that same motivation and that's why I, I appreciate the opportunity here to talk to you and hopefully, you know, people will have gained something from, uh, from, from that. And I, I think that's absolutely right. It's a great way to be able to, um, share what you've learned because yeah just keeping it up keeping it for yourself that helps you but if you share with others it's it's a great way to uh to support other people yeah it's only good karma it's good for just the whole ecosystem as a whole so yeah, yeah definitely absolutely. Way more and you know Kota, can i just yeah. mention uh, one, uh, one or two other things around uh just quickly around uh uh approaches and things to to do um so you know People often talk about, oh, you need to publish content. You need to publish content. That's the key and do that. Uh, I saw an interesting, a really good video uh, by Ross Simmons. Ross Simmons is a good, uh, great guy to, to follow on, um, on, on Twitter and other things because he publishes a lot of great stuff. And one of the things is, you know, when in the past, when I had written a blog post, I just put the post out and I just tried to promote the post and saying, hey, I, this is, here's this post. But uh, I saw something really great recently, which is the idea that he puts forward around making sure that there are um, multiple ways that people can can interact with your content. And so quickly to a couple of things he says is, you know, take some quotes from your from your your blog post, for example, add add that to like, a, you know, an interesting picture or whatever. And use that as your for Twitter, right? And and have different uh, captions, different uh, snippets of, of quotes or whatever, so that somebody that might be interested in one might not be interested in the other. So it's a way to kind of uh, extend the life of your of your blog post. Then you can turn that, for example, into a slide share and share that on like LinkedIn and like because again, different people interact with content in different ways. Some people want to see videos. Some people want to see. Uh, you know, they just want to read stuff. Other people want to be spoken to. So there's different ways to do that. I think giving uh, longevity to that material and getting the, the, the biggest bang for your buck, if you can, uh, you know, if you will, out of your content, I think is an incredibly great strategy to get the word out there to, uh, to, to more people. And so we've done a number of posts, both on Medium and we have blogs, both on, uh, on StoryStream and also on Palmatus. Uh, and it's, it, it could be what's called a vanity metric, but it's always it is great to see when you see people like so and so many people read your post or, or comments or something. So no, that, that's a great point too. Uh, I think there's a ton of value, obviously, in in providing content and valuable content. Of course, um, what's important there is, it, although it's a long term strategy, I think uh, having good evergreen content. So content you can repurpose a year, two years, three years from now. With, to making sure that content's still relevant. Like one of the, like on my website, uh, my blog, founderviews.com, some of my most popular pages to this day, which get most of the traffic, are posts from like two, three years ago. Yeah. So, you know, it's all, also important to, to make sure, think about the, the, the longevity of your content and the value. Can it still provide value two, three, four, five years down the road? And uh, repurpose that content periodically is key as well. 
Absolutely. You know, Krista, on that on that particular point, I think it's great. I think one of the things that I see a lot more these days, which I think is great, is uh, people actually updating their content uh, on, from their blog posts. So it'll say, you know, originally published 2013, but uh, updated in 2018 or whatever. I think that's incredibly important because, uh, especially in the growth hacking space, but in like in just in general, things are changing so quickly that if you're giving like some, if you're publishing something on a tactic, the likelihood that that tactic is out of date like a year later is very high. And so I think it's great to be able to post these, uh, you know, kind of higher level things that will be true for all eternity kind of posts. But also if you're doing sort of more tactical things, I think it's important to also update those and, and make sure that, uh, people know that you know they're not reading something from five years ago because it may or may not be relevant anymore. Yeah, hundred percent for sure. No, that's uh, it's a great some great points. Um, curious to hear from you, like just someone who's just starting out in SaaS. Um, you know, two thousand and nineteen. Like I started, you know, my company in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. Uh, what would you say is the most difficult thing? Um, in your experience about starting a SaaS company in this day and age? Well, you know, there was, uh, I just, I read a post a couple of days ago and what it said was that the, um, through, through the proliferation of information and you know, whatever, the internet and other things, uh, it's actually, that it's actually much more difficult to find ideas because uh, like lots of stuff has been done. I'm not saying everything's been done, but the, the it, like, you know, 20 years ago, there was a lot more, there's a lot more uh, likelihood that you, were, you could easily come up with some real value added idea, but it's actually uh, becoming more and more difficult to find those ideas, which again, going back to the earlier point of understanding the, your value proposition and who you're selling to and why they would buy what you have. I think is I think is probably the most important thing um, that that people need to do. Whether it's again, whether it's validating before or whether it's validating after, doesn't really matter. But getting that validation is um, is so important because otherwise, literally, you're spending time and money, and you just have no idea whether anybody's going to buy it or not. And uh, that's that's kind of a waste. Yeah, no, for, that's a great point. If I would add something to that, I would say, um, you know, I, I, I see a lot of people who, you know, try and come up with this revolutionary idea, something that's not done before, which can provide a lot of value, but, you know, which is obviously great. But at the same time, I don't think there's, I personally love to see when, when there is competition and, and, you know, even if it's a lot of competition, I think that's a really good thing. Cause that just tells me right away, I don't have to validate any product market fit there's clearly customers paying for this service um so you know who's to say that i can't just get my slice of the pie absolutely yeah, you know absolutely. so if you're if you're if your goal and priority is to build a just a profitable sustainable business that's gonna put food on your table make a you know live a great lifestyle uh, spend time with your family there's nothing wrong with just diving into a competitive market for my, right. for my, my opinion. So yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, something else I wanted to ask you when, uh, with, with your, with Pomodus, is it just you and another co-founder or, uh, you know, we have a small team of, 
uh, two other people that kind of help us as needed. Uh, one of the things that I find really uh, gratifying is I have found an amazing graphics designer slash web developer who has just an incredible eye. And so finding, I think one of the important things that people need to uh, understand is that ideally, if you can find people with great skills in areas that are not necessarily your greatest strength uh, and assemble a team, whether it's like a professional team of, again, again, when you need them, lawyers and accountants and so on, and kind of getting all of that, uh, the process stuff of actually getting started done, um, or it's further along in terms of actually product design or product development or, you know, or beyond that, uh, I think it's incredibly uh, fabulous to have a strong team of people that you can rely on. Uh, and so I have referred our, our, our graphics designer and web developer to countless other people because I literally love working with him because the stuff that he creates is so amazing. So uh, I, I can come up with the initial idea and uh, it usually looks like crap, but somehow he has this magic to be able to turn that into what I thought I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's awesome yeah no yeah. some people just have that gift for sure absolutely um i i should have probably asked you this at the beginning but are you like what's your background are you like a coder developer or uh you know costa i am i'm like a technical guy that is not a coder in the sense that i've been around technology a long time i've done a, did multiple startups in sort of technology uh, and I've interviewed literally thousands of people in technology. So uh, I know a lot about technology, enough to be dangerous, I guess you could say. And, um, but, I'm, but I've never, I'm not a coder. And I, I did try at one point to try coding some PHP and other stuff. And I just, it just wasn't for me. It's just not my strength. And I think it's really important for people to understand as they're building their team or or finding a co-founder that, you know, you don't have to be the expert at everything uh, and that you really, it's great to play to your own strengths and build up and strengthen yourself in, in, in what you're already good at rather than trying to uh, either go it alone or try, or try to do it all yourself. I just, I don't, I don't think that's a good use of time and uh, you know, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense. Everybody has gifts, everybody has talents. And as long as they understand what those are, and they, they continue to build on those, that is much more of a value add for not only their business, but for their life, than trying to be a jack of all trades, and learn how to do everything under the sun. It's just not, not a good idea. I, think. I agree. Well said. Self-awareness is very key for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Robert, I do want to be mindful of your time. Uh, we are cutting it a bit short, but uh, I do end off each episode with what I call the top three. Are you ready? Okay, sure. All right. Number one, your favorite book. Uh, you know, I don't read a lot of fiction, but uh, I, when I do, I, I love reading uh, books by uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. And one of my favorite books is a book called uh, Love in the Time of Cholera. So that's on the, the on the fiction side. On the I, and the, the most uh, the book I love right now that I have been reading over and over again is uh, the Lean uh, the Lean Startup by Ash Murray. 
Nice. Perfect. Uh, number two, your favorite vacation spot. Uh, you know what? Uh, I love uh, Belize. My uh, my wife and I went down there uh, and uh, it's such a pristine and beautiful spot. We did uh, tons of scuba diving and uh, uh, sort of jungle expeditions and caving and so on. It's just a, it's, it's a great area. And the interesting thing is, even though I studied Spanish for like two years with a private teacher, I've never actually set foot in a Spanish speaking country. And Belize is a former uh, British colony. So English is very widely spoken. <laughs> nice that's awesome yeah. and uh lastly if you can go back what's that one thing that you wish you knew when you were just starting out in business um, i think uh, probably the fact that there are people out there who have you know been there and done that and have have tons of experience in all facets of the business and that i don't need to I don't need to learn everything about it. I don't have to make all of the mistakes myself. There are lots of people out there willing to help and it really short, it shortens the process of getting to market uh, and getting your, getting your product up and running uh, by just asking more people for help. Uh, I, 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 there's this wonderful quote that, uh, that I always uh, have by my table, which is, you must learn from the mistakes of others because you can't possibly live long enough to make them all yourself. And uh, so that's something I live by. That's great. That's awesome. I totally agree. All right, Robert, this was awesome. I really enjoyed our chat. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Kosa. It was really great. And uh, look forward to, uh, and look forward to uh, being in touch. Let's make a deal. Once you uh, cross uh, your first 10K monthly recurring revenue, we're going to do another episode. That sounds awesome. I, would, I, I look <laughs> forward right. to that. I hope it's soon. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, I would love to hear it. Be sure to check out founderviews.com for my latest posts and episodes on my journey with everything SaaS, business, and startups. Talk to you later. Peace.